Your first eight guys maybe should be blue plate specials, but those back five guys, they should be more like tin hats, more guys that are grunt players, garbage players that dive for the ball. You are listening to the Scrambled Eggs Podcast on CrackedSidewalks.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome into Scrambled Eggs, your unofficial Marquette basketball podcast here on CrackedSidewalks.com. Joe McCann and Phil Bush here with you once again to talk about, for now, a first-place team in the Big East, your Marquette Gold Eagles. Uh, on the scale of things we expected this season, um, pretty low. Pretty yeah, low, pretty, but I'll take it. Pretty low, even if I do want to give Matt Norlander and Gary Parrish a hard time about it on Twitter. But, D- go to Twitter, look at Joe's it, videos. Yeah. That's all I have to say. I, I'm just glad they took it. With it's Seemingly, they seem to enjoy my little video just all in good fun. I respect those guys. But in to, in today's show, we are going to talk about the week that was uh, and then the week that is to come. It actually is a bye week, half a bye week. It sure doesn't feel like a bye week, though, Phil, with the Xavier game coming up this week. We're going to look ahead to the Xavier game. Look at the Big East picture, uh, really. And also, uh, since there is no game Saturday, I thought what we might do a little later in the show is maybe – talk about some projections and maybe as a way of hyping up some of our golden eagles for postseason awards is that wait wait a little early a little a lot of season left well we just we gotta start the camp campaigns a little early right phil i mean we gotta right, hype right. some of these guys up and get people watching these last few games to see if we can get some postseason well-deserved postseason hardware for some of our golden eagles we have five games well, left well. in the regular season <clears throat> Well, now now that we have uh, GP and uh, and Nordy's attention, now maybe we can send them this podcast and uh, <laughs> and they'll they'll put in a good word on the All Big East squad. I would not uh, I, I would not expect them to waste five minutes of their day listening to this podcast. I really don't expect anybody to waste five minutes of their day listening to this podcast. That, that's but. true. I, I <laughs> our own mothers wouldn't waste five minutes <laughs> on this podcast, but here we are. Hey, by the way, before we talk about the men's team, a uh, quick and well deserved shout out to the Marquette women's team. First ever win over Connecticut. Uh, a historic win for Coach Megan Duffy and her team. Uh, it was good to see th- that game. I was able to tune it in late on the Fox Sports app this past week. Uh, very happy for them. Very happy for that team. Uh, it looks like they might go dancing. I'm not up to my up to date on my women's bracketology right now, but uh, only two top five wins in program history, both this year, because they beat Texas back uh, in November. So uh, congrats to the, the Marquette women's team. I hope they keep that going, make the tournament, and first ever win over what is, quite frankly, the premier program in women's basketball. So uh, good for the women's team. I was, I was very yeah, happy to see that. You know, quite frankly, in the grand scheme of things, going one and one against UConn this week, I think we got the right ones. Yeah, I, I, that, that was a trade. I think in the end, you look back on it, it was worth making. You know, the men get blown out by UConn, and then the women get a significant win over UConn. I think that's fair. That's fair. So, Phil, a, a, a one and one week for the Golden Eagles. And while we were optimistic on last week's pod, I think it, it, I think it's we're just in the mood of being really optimistic about this team. But when you look at projections and whatnot, that that what happened this past week was expected. Went to Connecticut, and yeah, maybe you didn't want to get blown out as much as Marquette did, but that's an anticipated expected loss, one you can live with. And then they took care of business on Saturday against Georgetown and really a no-doubter from start to finish. So all in all, Marquette's right about where we want to be. Right, yeah. Oh, I mean, Marquette, like you said, at the, off the jump, Marquette's you know in in first position in the, in the conference standings, and 
you know, Marquette controls its fate. If Marquette wins the rest of the games on its schedule, um, they win the conference. Like, just flat out, they win the conference. That's true. So, that's great. I mean, there's there's a lot of road left to hoe there that we'll get into a little bit. But, but you know, be, with five games to go, being in the driver's seat where, you know, you win out and you win an absolute, you know, uh, standalone title in the regular season. I, I, I don't know why we wouldn't want to be optimistic. I, I know, you know, and and not everyone on Twitter is representative of of society writ large. But you know, there there were some folks on Twitter giving giving you or I some static about. Well, you guys after the UConn game, you guys got too positive, and there's so much season left. And why are you guys being so positive? And and you know, hey, listen, people can enjoy whatever they want in life any way they want, but I am not going to get down for a single moment as this season is going on. I'm going to believe this team can win every single friggin' time because it's fun as hell, and I just want to live that way. Yeah, we had a, a couple, oh, one guy in particular yapping at us, like, why are you talking about a Big East title? There's so much seasons ago. Why wouldn't you be talking about a Big East title? Like, why, right. Like, that's the point of having <laughs> podcasts and stuff, is, like, look at big picture things and where this team measures up to everyone else. And I'm not saying they're it's a lock that they're going to win it, but why not talk about how exciting it is that this team is in the hunt for a Big East championship, and right now they are the betting favorite. After uh, thanks to some, also some results around the league this week that helped things. I mean, St. John's handing Providence another loss on Saturday to get them to ten and four. Uh, Xavier with an upset loss to Butler. Xavier would be running away with the league if they hadn't lost to both DePaul and Butler. Uh, of course, they were without Fremantle now, and maybe that certainly hurt them against Butler. We'll talk about that when we talk about the Xavier game. But again, Phil, that's one reason why you can go, you can look at the UConn game and stomach it because even the most optimistic of Phil's does not expect Marquette to win, expect Marquette to win out and win every game. And you can stomach losing a game like that because you never want to fall into the trap of assuming everyone around you is going to win the rest of their games, right? I mean, there are traps along the way. Right, right. Well, and, and, you know, just like Marquette can lose on any given day, you know, and and for the record, we have absolutely no impact on whether whether Marquette wins or loses, no matter what we say. Yeah, believe Um, me, if we had impact, I would do exactly what I would have to to get them to the national championship. Correct. Again, once again, I uh, clear uh, a uh, lyric I like to quote. I hope God you're I hope God you're listening, because if the devil shows up, this old soul's going down, Um, you know, but like. At the end of the day, um, that UConn loss, yes, it was it was a little bit traumatic, right? In the in the way it went down, and the score, and and kind of the seemingly, you know, this the the way Marquette was out of it, you know, pretty much from the you know from the under twelve timeout, right? Like, I mean, gosh, yeah, like even the first, yeah, at the under twelve, it it almost kind of felt like the North Carolina game last year. It's like I, right. we're not coming back from this. Right, right. And and so the, you know, there's there's some trauma there, but to your point, it's it's a loss that you know, one you can absorb, right? You've done the work along the way to be able to to absorb a a loss like that and and still, you know, still be in the driver's seat for for the conference title. Um but but you also like it it just turns out one of those things like, hey, our prediction that um UConn was a uh, a tough matchup for us. Probably right. Like you know that like it, that game went 
maybe a little worse than you would expect, but when we were talking about the first game in Milwaukee, I wouldn't have been shocked to see the game go that way in Milwaukee. So, you know, sometimes on paper turns into reality. That's all, and that's all it was. Now, you know, we talked last week, Phil, about what this this gauntlet, this four game gauntlet, is. This with uh, UConn last week, you got Georgetown Saturday, and then you got Xavier coming up, and then Tuesday you got Creighton after that. But I have to say, if you have to play those three teams in a four game stretch, it's actually set up pretty much the way you would want it, honestly. Because yeah, you got the road trip to UConn, you get beat down there, but then you got a nice palate cleanser on Saturday against Georgetown, Mm -hmm. which I think was therapeutic for the still negative Nancys of the fan base who are just waiting for bad things to happen. Um, Maybe we cater to them too much, maybe because we talk to them too much, but the, like, it was, I, I think going out and blowing out Georgetown was able to be a nice reset for people worried about a fall, right? It's like, oh, we're back to normal. We're fine. We blew out right. Georgetown. Did right. what we're supposed to do. And then, so you, you get the palate cleanser against Georgetown. Then you get Xavier at home. And then you get almost a full week off because Marquette does not play this coming Saturday. So, it like, I'm not saying they're going to win them all, but it, it's set up in a way that you can see them getting it done. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. The schedule absolutely breaks Marquette's way. And, and I think... You know, quite frankly, I think I would summarize my my Georgetown views or, or, you know, what I want to get into in this podcast about the Georgetown game was there was a game. It took place at Georgetown. Marquette won big as they should. They got rest. The end. Right. Like, like there's there's really nothing of note um, that that came out of that game other than Marquette was able to rest players. I mean, Tyler Kolick only played 26 minutes. Um, you know, the, the rest of the, you know, the bench absorbed almost 40% of the minutes in the game. So if you want to be ready for a shorthanded X, that's what it looks like, right? Like now Marquette should have, you know, a little bit of legs under, uh, under them. You're playing at home. Um, so, so that's positive. And like you said, getting that, that essential buy, which is weird to have like the weekend game off. Cause usually you have the weekday game off, but whatever, I'll take it. If we can get a full, you know, a full week's rest going into Creighton, hey, maybe we can go five and zero here down the stretch or whatever, and and win the title outright. But again, we still have, you know, margin for error because other teams have to play other teams, and you know, Creighton's the only one that is 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 really I shouldn't say the only one, but they're the ones nipping at our heels, right? So we control our own destiny. We went out. We win the whole thing. We'll see where it goes. But, uh, you know, this week, you know, could have been better, but it could have been way worse. So, Absolutely. You know. They, you know, quick things about the Georgetown game. First of all, shout out to all the Marquette fans who showed up. Seemed like there was a nice contingent of blue and gold. I actually had a few friends text me or send me some Instagram posts showing that they were at the game. So that was great to see. Good, some good road support for Marquette this year. Yeah. Uh, Shaka even, even, even referenced it in the uh, – the post game with uh, with Homer and, and Tony was that uh, he's been uh, impressed slash surprised with how how good the, the the fans have traveled on the road this season. So Amazing what happens when the team's good. Yeah, turns turns out people want to come see you when you are uh, putting on a show. Now, now, in defense, for a couple of years there we had COVID and fans weren't going to any games. Period. But I think now that a the the team is good and b COVID restrictions are in the rearview mirror. 
people are at games again. It's good to see Marquette fans going out to these games. But yeah, so and the other thing about the Georgetown game, Marquette was excellent from three in that game. I, I guess I I didn't see the final number, but at some point we were like fifty fifty percent from the three, like like fourteen to twenty eight, right. or I don't know if they finished like fifteen to thirty. But bottom line, they they shot the heck out of the ball on against Georgetown. You almost wish they had uh, had taken a couple of those and uh, made those in the UConn game. <laughs> right. I, honestly, it still wouldn't have made a difference. Yeah, think. probably not. But uh, you maybe put those a few of those in our pocket for the Xavier game. Though. But, yeah, I, I kind of with you, Phil, I don't know how much I want to dive into the Georgetown game because it was just a pretty simple game, what we expected. And I, I, I did notice what you were talking about as well, that a lot of moments for the bench, because I remember I was uh, hanging out with our Mar- Marquette Club of North Texas again this weekend, and I looked up at the TV a few times, and I kept th- more than once, I was like, wow, all three freshmen are in. Uh, no Tyler Kolick. And so extended minutes, and this is something you talked about last week, Phil, was good game to experiment with. Um, we talked about that a little bit in the Butler game, but I think it was doing it, Shaka was doing it again against Georgetown. Let's get mm-hmm. some more minutes for those freshmen, because as the season gets longer, and you may need a few more minutes from your bench. It's good to make sure who you can trust and who you can't in some of these tougher Big East games. And more run for Ben Gold, more run for Sean Jones, testing out that wrist. Uh, looked pretty good shooting the ball today. Uh, so I, I all positive going to Georgetown. Got in there, got the win, shot the ball well. No injuries that we know of from the game. So came out clean and uh, and love to see those freshmen continuing to get more and more minutes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and and we should probably shout out Ben Gold for for this week, right? Like he was he was probably the the only bright shining moment in the uh, in the UConn game, um, and certainly uh, contributed as as part of the Georgetown game. So you know, I, w- one of the things that I'm fascinated by and and kind of impressed by is the in game in season development of some of the players, yep. right? Um, you know, Ben Gold was essentially on the shelf uh, during early and middle um, conference season. And, you know, I, I, I don't know that this is this is true, but it feels like, you know, maybe, you know, uh, Shaka and staff got Ben Gold some minutes when they could, got some some game tape on and said, look, you know, here's we're going to use these as teaching tools. We're going to take you back into the lab, work with you, get you get you settled and then you know we'll reintroduce you when when we kind of feel you're ready and here in the last well week and a half two weeks right since since before the butler game um you know ben gold's come back out and and contributed now he's not going to set the world on fire i don't think he's going to be more than a you know 10 to 15 minute player a game type of type of thing but but that's fine that's what you need he's the eighth guy off the bench right he's the guy you need if Oso Iguodaro or Omax Prosper are in foul trouble or, hey, we need to change a pace or we need to go five out, right? Yeah. We want five shooters on the floor, right? Having having him available lets you do a few things and that in-season development is pretty remarkable. I don't know. What do you think about it? I love it too and I, I think you hit on all the key points there. First of all, yeah, like even if it is just 10, 15 minutes for Ben Gold, that means you don't have to play Oso the entire game. Like you can get him rest you know, like Oso has been great this year about playing as many minutes as he has, but if you can get him more rest and have him fresher down the stretch, that's great. And it's no longer now. Granted, Oso is the starter, and he 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 is the better guy to have in there when you need somebody in there in the middle. But it's you don't feel as like you're holding your breath when Gold is in there now. Like 
You're like, okay, right. let's try to survive these couple minutes and get Oso back in. He's like, all right, well, let's, let's just play Ben. Like, let's let's play Ben extended minutes and through this TV timeout. And we've even seen Ben and Oso together a few times. Maybe right. you need that in a postseason matchup with a, a, a maybe a bigger team. It's good to see those things, and and I yeah the the in season development is good to see. We we saw one pretty early, and I don't know if I would call it development. It's just a, a quick adjustment. Was how quickly Cam Jones went from a guy who was mostly just bombing away threes in the first few games to attacking the basket like Shaka had wanted and. Now right. he's one of the best scorers in the Big East. So, yeah, and th- there may be other smaller things that we can go player by player on, but to your overall point, adjustments and improvements in season player to player is has been good to see and one reason why Marquette is in the hunt for the league championship. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, that, that being able to, like, and I think the reason I call it out, I'm I'm kind of struggling here to to really describe it, but I, I think the reason I call it out is like in the Wojo era, there was a dearth of of in season development. Like every, you know, it was one of those like you think like Sakar Anum, right? Like just he went from zero to a hundred, but that was you know between seasons, right? Over a course of five um, years, right? Yeah, right, exactly. And and so there was player development, but it was like whatever they were at the start of the season, they were at the end of the season. And, and the fact that we're seeing tweaks and changes, strategic uh, adjustments, New right? Lineups. The, the, right, right. The, you know, the, the oh so Ben Gold, uh, what uh, Anonymous Eagle referred to as the Golden Bear uh, lineup. <laughs> the as Jack a, I guess. Lineup. Oh, right. I, I guess Oso is, is Spanish for bear. Is it that is. something? Oso okay. is Espanol I, for bear. Okay. I, I don't, uh, I don't know. I, I only speak bad English. So, uh, <laughs> Um, but but yeah, the goal, you know, so we're seeing strategic changes. We're seeing player player adjustment and development. I mean, look at uh, look at David Joplin, right? Like, I don't think he's all the way, you know, to the point where since I own all of the David Joplin stock, um, I don't think the the return on that money has has become fully realized yet. But he's certainly improved in season you know, in terms of rebounds, uh, defense, he's, he's, he has lapses from time to time, but it's not, it's not the glaring weakness that you saw before. And, and I think that is a testament to the coaching staff and quite frankly, to the players, right? When they talk about, you know, these, the, these players being all in for each other and, and in for the, essentially the program and, and all of that stuff, I think that shows up in those, you know, those player developments, right? They're clearly putting in the work. They're starting to trust and believe in each other. And and I think that is exactly why um, this team is where it is and where folks like Nordy and GP and, and the less, you know, nice folks in the media that, that picked Marquette so low. Um, I, I think that kind of secret sauce is, is the part that a lot of people missed. Yeah, and, and look, it's great to see it developing. And to be fair, like even us, like it's not like we picked them to win the league. I mean, I think we picked right. them fifth and sixth, respectively. I think I had them sixth. Uh, so it's not like we picked them to win the league. We thought they would be better than ninth. I, I can't remember exactly what I picked, but I, one thing I remember distinctly saying was ninth seems low. It just seemed low, right. and I, I, I didn't know how many teams they would pass. I never would have thought they could contend for a championship, but here we are. It's just the, the little improvements guy to guy. I think you hit on it there. It's... Just the little things that we we didn't expect he could do this much with this roster, and the roster is better than we thought. Quite frankly, uh, he, right? These are good players, and even though 
their recruiting rankings weren't all that high. I, I did a little quick research earlier in the week that there's only one, according to the 24-7 sports composite, only one national top 100 player on this team, and that was Stevie Mitchell, and he was 92 in the final year, uh, in the final rankings for his class. And only half the roster even got a fourth star. Uh, and then the, the, there are three guys who were three stars and then three guys who were unrated. Tyler Kolick was unrated. Um, ben Gold was unrated. And then there's one guy I'm forgetting who was also unrated. But the bottom line is this, this is not a dearth of all-American talent. Like and not that they're bad players because I mean you could find good players who are four stars or mm-hmm. you know ranked between one hundred and two hundred. But the point is, he, like Shaka has not done this by recruiting a bunch of all Americans. He's recruited good players, guys who fit together. And I, I think that's to me one of the biggest contrasts to way Shaka has built teams and the way Wojo has built teams. Wojo got good players. He never like I I, I never really criticized him much as a recruiter. He got good players. He got two all Americans. The guy plus our all time leading scorer. But he didn't build good teams. Shaka is building good teams, pieces that fit together. He's finding good players who can develop and will stick around for two or three or four years. And they work together as a team. And that's, to me, one of the big differences now. Yeah, I agree. And I think the thing that's going to be fascinated, fascinating going out, out on the time horizon, right, in the next couple of years is... I think one of the things, and I don't have any direct evidence of this, but I think one of the things that's going to be um, significant is Shaka seems to adjust um, the approach to the players that he has and less so, you know, hey, this is my quote unquote system, right? Like, hey, I, you know, like Oso Iguodaro, uh, you know, certainly, I, you know, there was lots of talk about, hey, you know, he's an athlete, he's... He's got, you know, he's got ball skills, that sort of thing. But the way they use him mm-hmm. is a unique approach that takes advantage of all his skill sets. Um, and and this offense that we're running now would not be possible without an Oso type type, you know, five man in the lineup. So you know, whenever hopefully Oso's here at least next year. Um, but you know, whatever works for him, then yeah. then I fully support, right? But but you know, when Oso is no longer on the roster, I don't know that you're necessarily gonna just find, you know, big man after big man that has, you know, point point guard yeah, type like skills. Exactly. Shaka's team is not gonna fall apart because we don't have a six ten guy who can dribble. Right. Right. <laughs> they'll they'll find other ways to use the pieces they have. And 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 kind of come up with a different approach, uh, and this, that, and the other thing. So so you know, if and if you look, Shaka has changed from how he was at at VCU to how he was at Texas to how he's playing things now at 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 Marquette. And so that that evolution, like, is encouraging because that means that that this isn't going to become a stagnant kind of hey, let's roll the ball out and do what we did last year, right? I think. That evolution is exciting to see, and and it gives you cushion if you can't land a top 100 recruit or whatever, right? Like you recruit the guys that fit the culture and fit um, whatever you're trying to do, and and whoever you end, whoever you end up getting, you adjust accordingly. Exactly, exactly. I think we're going to praise Shock a little more coming up a little bit later on in the show, but he's building this team well, and this team is in great position to right. win a championship, but. 
couple. Well, the one, the one, the one other point I want to make real quick, and and Paint Touches kind of highlighted it. It the, like if, and this is why this year is different than last year, right? And I know not to revisit the whole waiting for the other shoe to drop, February Marquette thing, or whatever. But if you look at the the player efficiency rankings for last year and this year, every single one of the players from a both an offensive and a defensive approach this season on efficiency is better than every single player that was on the roster last year, right? So that's where you go, all right, Justin Lewis is in here, Daryl Morcel is in here, you know, Kirk Quath is in here, you know, this team might fall apart, it's gonna finish ninth, and it's like, well, not if everybody just is better than the players that were on the roster last year. Little improvements from everybody. Kind of a, right. I think at the point we keep hammering coming back to, but when you can back it up with statistical data, it's even better. You can't just correct, and we're not just saying these guys are better. We have the data. There's data on Ken Palm to back it up. These guys are better than they were a year ago. Right. They're improving. The math, the math checks. It all checks out. Love to see it. All right, Phil. So this is a game we've been anticipating now. Mm-hmm. Xavier coming to Fiserv form, and now Xavier. In a bit of a tough spot, first of all, because they've lost Zach Fremantle. He's got a broken foot. I, 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 he's not playing in this game, right? He's out for a few weeks. He might no, he's out for at least – he's out until at least March. Yeah, so their first game without him did not go well as they went on the road and lost at Butler on Friday. So, you know, we talked about these teams the first two times. The first time they met and their Ken Palm numbers were very similar. Not quite as identical this time, but the, the gist is still there. Marquette – Xavier, both great offensive teams. Currently, Marquette third in the country on Ken Palm offensively. Offensive efficiency, Xavier eighth. Xavier's defense, 99th. So it's gone a little further south since we last met. Marquette's has improved a little bit. They're 65th. Marquette's effective field goal percentage, excellent, as we all know. Xavier's is very good as well. Xavier's offense, though, much more dependent on the three-point shot than Marquette's is. But, again, Xavier's three-point shooting, I mean, part of that is Fremantle. Right? Now, he doesn't take a lot, mm-hmm. but he's 63% out there. So that threat right. is not out there now. Uh, obviously, it's a blow, Phil. I mean, I think it's an understatement to say that it that's going to set Xavier back. But how much, I guess, is the question. Because, yes, they did lose at Butler, but that was a game it looks like they probably could have won. Um, had some tough calls go against them late. But what are you anticipating from the Musketeers on Wednesday? Um, I'm anticipating an all-out blitz from them, right? Like, this is a game, if they have conference title aspirations, they have to win. Um, you know, I certainly Marquette could lose it and and still get to a, get to a title. Um, so I'm not saying that, like, Marquette can write it off. But I, I think Xavier is going to have to to reset they've now had you know they've they've now had um two weeks now or a week and a half i guess you know to uh to figure out what they're going to do without Fremantle. um they weren't super deep to begin with so i think that's going to be interesting to see is is how um how much those starters play because that's that xavier that xavier starting lineup similar to marquette is is top notch um, so that's that's going to be that's going to be the challenge is ha, is how much and how long can the Xavier starters go, um, and and I guess that'll that'll really determine the uh, 
the success or failure for Xavier in this in yeah. this game. I don't know. What do you what do you expect? Well, I mean, Marquette took them to the wire at their place, and when they had right. their full roster, and that was it was just a four point loss. I think. I don't know if I've ever seen more positive response from Marquette Twitter after a loss than after the Xavier loss this year. Like I think, <laughs> yeah, that's I think true. The, the overwhelming majority of people I follow on Twitter who follow Marquette were like, you know, it sucks to lose it, but dang, that was a good game. <laughs> like that was a great effort. Like they played really well. And, and now we flip the script and it's at our place. And Ken Palm has Marquette as a five point favorite. And that's with all of Zach Fremantle's impact baked into that number. Right. I'll be curious what right. the final Vegas number is going to be when we get to Wednesday, but it may still be about Marquette by about five. Because I'm with you that even a man down, I expect a heck of a fight from Xavier because you said it perfectly. They need this, right? Because they, uh, if they want to win a Big East title, they need to steal one from Marquette because they've lost one, lost a couple games they're not supposed to. But if they can get a leg up on Marquette by sweeping them, then Xavier's in pretty good shape to win the championship even without Zach Fremantle but boy th- that's a tough loss man because he, he is just such a weapon just a 6-9 guy who can stretch the floor can shoot he's so tough in the paint he's a good rebounder um and that's you know that's one area where I think they they beat Marquette the first time around is they were able to get some of those second chance points they're mm-hmm. good. they're a good offensive rebounding team. They're a great defensive rebounding team. Rebounding team, but then they miss him. Jerome Hunter's doing fine. Like he's doing fine in his stead, but he's not Zach Fremantle. Like uh, what a preseason uh, All Conference pick. So Marquette's place favored anyway, and now Xavier's a man down. And man, I hope that place is rocking. Uh, once again, if you haven't got tickets yet, let's sell that place out. I mean, that that game, I know it's a Wednesday night. It may be not perfect for folks with kids and whatnot, but, man, let's pack that place, sell it out. Jeff, get your friends up from Northern Illinois. Shouts to Jeff. Uh, I, I hope it is. I, I'm sure it's probably pretty close to sold out, but pro- maybe not quite. I am expecting a loud crowd who is ready to, again, they're not winning the Big East title. There's still work to do after this game, but, the winner of this game has a real, real advantage and like feel, has to be feeling really good that they can at least get a share of the title. Yeah, I mean, Marquette certainly. And, and like, look, I'm not, I'm not saying that this game on Wednesday like seals the conference. Uh, no. The conference title at, by any stretch of the imagination. But if Marquette wins this game against Xavier, that builds in a significant amount of of um, you know cushion that Marquette can at a minimum get a a share of the conference title, right? Like Marquette, <clears throat> if Marquette beats Xavier and then loses to Creighton and wins its last three games, Marquette is guaranteed a share of the title. Correct. Right. So right. So like, win this game and uh, you're not certain to get a share of title, but boy, it would be colossal if you didn't you know what i mean yeah. like uh and, and so like this game is is i mean it's hard to to value one because every, all every game matters but like this is the single most important home game of the season right like, the bottom line is, if marquette wants at least a share of the title it has to get one of these next two at the very least correct so which one correct. do you think you got a better shot at xavier man down at home or going into omaha and beating creighton right with with a fully healthy Kalkbrenner. Exactly. Right? 
you know, so so th- this game this game is is uber important, and and I think this is also you know why I wanted to circle back a little bit to the Georgetown game is getting players rest during you know even with the game going on is super critical because Marquette could in theory you know especially with the week off going into Creighton. You know, Marquette could go, hey, look, let's go 36 player, 36 minutes for everyone in the starting lineup, right? Like, you know, like all in, chips in the center of the table, let's win this freaking game. Yeah. And and play the starters a bunch. Yeah. And, and granted, like, I know you're just speaking hypothetically, but uh, you, you're right. going to see a lot of minutes from uh, Ross and Joplin and Golden, this thing. But sure. to your point, crunch time, if you want 40 minutes out of Tyler Kolick. I think he can do that in this game. Like, right. I, I think right. he'd be up for it. I think he's just got that gamer attitude. He'd be up for it. I don't know if you want to do 40 minutes out of Oso, but the emergence of Ben Gold as a very reliable backup center, you probably don't have to do that, but you could if you need to. But I, I get your point that max minutes, and then we got six days off, right? And we, right. everybody ice up, their, ice up their legs, and then we'll be ready for that trip to Omaha. But, yeah, I, it it may sound like a little thing, like like what's the big difference if Tyler minutes, Tyler Kolek plays twenty six minutes instead of thirty? Does it matter a lot? Well, I don't know. Maybe it doesn't because I mean he is still a young guy. He's probably fine. But uh, I get your point that they did not have to use a lot of physical and mental energy to beat Georgetown. It's just, mm-hmm. I mean, it was just really almost like a difficult practice today. <laughs> like, right, on Saturday, right, like, right. They just, well, I mean, the attendance was about the same as a practice as well. <laughs> it was, it was. So it was just, uh, I, get, I keep going back to it was just a bit of a mental reset for the fans, but oh, maybe for the players too. Like, all right, we're fine. Yeah, we got our butts kicked on earlier in the week, but we're fine. And reset, now let's focus on Xavier. And I, I, think, I think the team's going to be locked in. I expect a loud and rowdy crowd full of blue and gold. And yeah, man, I, I'm feeling good about getting, getting that win on, on Wednesday against Xavier. I really I, am. I, I am too. And, you know, not to be accused of, you know, causing, <laughs> causing the team is a lose to lose as a result. Like, uh, I, you, when you're playing a talent, a team, the, the quality of Xavier, you never want to go lock, right. but I haven't felt, this good, like just mentally about uh, a game that Marquette's playing in, in, in quite a while. Right. Like, and, and I'm not super optimistic, but like, I am like, Oh baby, this is going to be an exciting game. This is, this is one that I think we absolutely take, right? Like it, it might be close. Sure. But I, I think yeah, this I, is Xavier's one not gonna we roll win. Over. I mean, Sule Boone right. has been outstanding. I mean, he, he might win the conference player of the year. He's been really, really good. And he is, He's probably he's really the big reason why Xavier's three point shooting so great as a team. I mean, he's shooting forty one percent, and he's taken one hundred and seventeen of them on the year. And Colby Jones can shoot, Jack Nunji can shoot. So, but Boom is the guy who he he drives that bus. I mean, and he's gonna be he's gonna be a gamer. He's gonna be up for it. So whoever's guarding him is gonna have their hands full. I guess it's probably gonna fall on Kolick a lot. I would get Mitchell will probably get on him quite a bit, um, but. Yeah, Xavier is not just going to come in and roll over and die. They're, they are going to be up for it. It is going to take every bit of energy Marquette has to win that game, but the crowd's going to give them some energy too. And I, I, yeah. I, I think they're going to have it. I think they'll be ready. And I'm with you. Like, yeah, I, I feel confident. <laughs> I'm not all that confident in the Creighton game next week. We'll deal with that when we get to it. We'll preview that on the next pod. But 
this game, again, at home, a game Marquette would be favored in anyway, even if Xavier was at full strength, according to Ken Palm's metrics. But Xavier is not at full strength. I, the Fremantle thing hurts, man. It really does. Again, it's, like you said, Phil, they, they have a short bench anyway. Marquette has guys that they have confidence rolling out there. Again, the three freshmen played extended minutes, all looked very good, as most of, for the most part, they have for the, all of conference play, really. Uh, and it's good to see Sean Jones shooting the ball well on that bad wrist. He's going to be all right. I don't, I don't know how he's going to hold up throughout the season as we get towards the end, but for now it looks like he's going to be able to play through it. To have him back as an extra body, there are a lot of guys Shaka trusts right now, and I, I think they, I think they'll wear Xavier down, and uh, it'll be tight, and they may be having to make some free throws at the end to seal this one, but I think Marquette wins it. Yeah, I think they do too, and I, I also think Marquette tries to to ramp up the pressure a little bit. Again, you know, but or uh, uh, Xavier's going to have a shorter bench. Um, you know, they're coming off that Butler launch. I think there's a or loss. There's going to be a a little bit of uh, of of pressure applied. Got to be some nervous times Xavier there to too for right? for them a little bit, right? Like. You know, granted, they're a good team and they're a confident team, but they got to be just a little bit nervous. Like, man, are we going to be able to get through this and you mm-hmm. know, win a league title? I mean, their their tournament berth is secure. They're going to make the tournament. That's not the concern. But so yeah, they're like, a lock for yeah, sure. Yeah, like oh, we got to go to Marquette. Then they got. I mean, they got DePaul, who they've lost to already. <laughs> but um, <laughs> right. And then they and then they've got Nova and Seton Hall, who are both scratching and clawing, trying to get as many wins as they can as they get ready for the Big East tournament. And then they got to go to Providence and they're not going to have Fremantle for any of those games. So they, they, I don't, not to say they're lacking confidence, but it may not, it may be a little shakier than it was two weeks ago. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I mean, there's got to be room for self doubt in there, right? Yeah. I mean, especially you go out there the way that about. Yeah. Your first game without your guy and you lose it. Yeah. There's gotta be a little bit of, a little bit of doubt. Not saying they're going to quit or anything, but there could be a little doubt. Like, man, how good are we right now? Right. Well, and 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 especially the way that that Butler game ended. Right. That was that was just stupid, st- stacked on top of stupid. So, yeah. um, you know, there's got. There's I think the goaltending call was tough. I, I goaltending. If you know what I'm talking about, the way the Butler Xavier game ended, but the, it was a very tough goaltending call on a dunk. Uh, I think letter of the law, they got it right. I think the spirit of the rule, maybe not, but right. there, was, there was a hand in the cylinder. Bottom, and and another player, I forget who the other one was, I mean, it was Nunji blocking him from behind, but then another player literally had his hand on the rim as the player was attempting a shot. That's a that's basket interference. Either way, right. it should have been two. So, sorry. Right, right. So, so again, I, yeah, Xavier's going to be desperate, so they're they're not going to fold. But I do think I th- do think Marquette has enough horses, has enough talent. Hopefully, um, Oso kind of got a bit of a get right with Georgetown, right? Like I think, you know, he's the single most important player on this roster. You know, sorry, <laughs> so, sorry. You know, not, I'm not saying that I like him better or like the the other players on the roster are you know are crap compared to Oso. But but just st- statistically and what they're trying to do, he's the single most important player on the roster and and he was he was struggling there in the last couple of games right UConn was was probably his worst game of the season and and so hopefully he got right uh against uh against Georgetown he certainly played like he was he was good to go 
Um, so hopefully that continues against Xavier because he's he's going to be critical to that. Yeah, I think that, uh, Andre sent us a, a chart this year. I, I'm not a big uh, believer in plus minus as a stat because right. I think that it, it's about the team in some aspects. But for what it's worth, uh, of Marquette's six losses this year, um, five of them were the five times Oso had a negative plus minus. Oso's only had five games this year where his plus minus was negative. And those right. were and five of Marquette's losses. six losses. Right. And and no nobody else was as closely correlated from a plus minus standpoint right. to losses. Yeah. Bottom line is if Oso does not play well, Marquette's probably not going to win. There you go. Right. right. Done uh, and done. Done and done. All right. So we're both feeling good about a win. So then Marquette has uh, this coming Saturday off. So I thought this would be a good time for a little game, Phil, as maybe we look ahead to some postseason awards and maybe hyping up some of these Golden Eagles for some of these postseason honors. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to name a postseason honor, and you're going to give me a rating, a grade, one to five. Five being it is a lock, no doubt happening, and one being no chance. Don't even think so. Then a four would be good chance. A three, fifty-fifty. You're not sure, and two, doubtful. Okay, good to go. I, I got it. Yep, I good. I'm. I, I think I understand it. I will screw it up. But I understand. <laughs> Simple enough rules. Okay, let's start with yes. one again. I kind of teased this a minute ago. Shaka Smart, Big East Coach of the Year. Ooh, um, I'm I'm gonna say four because I. Feel like I want to make it a lock because I mean, if you get predicted, fit, you know, ninth in the conference, and then you're playing for a conference title at the at the end of the season, that that that's pretty impressive for coach of the year. Um, but I I suspect if Xavier or Providence wins a conference title, uh, Cooley and or Miller respectively would get coach of the year. So I'm going to say four because it's not a lock unless Marquette wins the conference. See, I am going five. I'm going lock. Because even if Marquette finishes second or third, they have far exceeded expectations. Where Xavier was expected to be pretty good, maybe not win the league, but they were probably picked top three, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. And and Providence was up there. Um, And and just... I I just... Shock has just just done such an incredible job with this team. I, I... I think he's good. I think he's got it locked up. Uh, no matter how they finish, unless it's a ca- catastrophic finish, I say what I should say. But I, I'm not even putting that energy into the universe. Marquette's going right. to finish this like, season that's strong. Not a thing. Yeah, Marquette's going to finish this season strong, and I think they get a great shot to get at least a share of the title. Um, and even if they don't, like say they lose these next two games, they're going to be in the top three. I, I think that's I think that's good enough for Shaka to get Big East Coach of the Year. So I'm going five on I- that one. I, I think that's totally fair. I think the only other thing that he- makes me hesitate is the "quote unquote" East Coast be- media bias. Well, right? the thing like, is, don't I the coaches Cooley... vote on this? As far as the Big East, oh, do the coaches decide that? Okay, yeah. Mm. I'm I'm just gonna stay with my four. Okay, but yeah, I I, I I get where you're coming. From. Okay, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah, so, and we we kind of went over earlier in the pod about all the great things Shock has done as far as recruiting and adjustments. And for all those reasons, I I think he deserves Big East Coach of the Year. Now, my next one is Shaka, National Coach of the Year. Ooh. um, I'm going to say two. Mm. I think that's fair. Not that that he's not worthy of of National Coach of the Year. Yeah, like, I mean, there's literally, what, 351 or 361 (laughs) coaches, right? Like... That's that's a lot of coaches to get through, and there's a lot of, I suppose, feel-good stories. Now, 
Um, the reason I don't make it a one is there is, you know, there is time for Marquette to really put a stamp out there because I don't think coach national coach of the year gets decided till till some of March Madness gets played. Correct? Yeah, I, or at I guess least it depends which coach of the year, whether it's AP coach of the year or if the Na- Naismith coach of the year. So I suppose there are a couple awards, but. Um... Yeah, he may have some postseason play, maybe to to depend on when they vote on it. I'm not sure, but they. Uh, but I, I I'm I, I'm with you. I'm going with a week three, just because. So you know, coach of the year, going back to the Big East, it's kind of a weird award sometimes because it's like the team we were most wrong about in the preseason, and we're going to give that the coach of the year. Right. Like guys like Bill Self and Mark Few <laughs> and, you know, Coach K and Roy Williams, like they never win coach of the year. It's like, well, yeah, you were good, but you were supposed to be good. So we're not going to give you anything. Um, but like, I would say from the Nationals perspective, I think there's a lot of surprise around what uh, Jerome Tang's doing at Kansas State. That's his first head coaching job. I don't know where Purdue was picked in the preseason, but I don't know if they were picked to be this good. So I think Painter's probably got a good shot at it nationally. Right. Um, what about Terry at Texas? Yeah, if he finishes that and Texas wins the Big 12, I mean, that that's an interesting story considering he took over midseason after uh, the night. And, and, and Oates. Uh, look, Alabama is, is running away with the SEC. Um, right. Oates could win it. So I, I, think, I think national coach of the year is going to be tough, but I, I think Shaka should be in the discussion if Marquette wins the Big East outright. Right. I, I, I think and I think that's where it's a two or a three, right? Like it would not be crazy for for anyone to be like, oh, hey, when when the uh, when PTI or, or, you know, any of the national podcasts do the rundown and hey, we're going to talk about national coach of the year and the candidates are. I mean, Shaka should absolutely be mentioned. in yes. the candidates. I, I think Wh- whether be, I, he wins yeah. it. I think it should right. be in the discussion, and if if he finishes third or fourth in the voting, I wouldn't be mad at all because it, again, national coach of the year is a tough award. But if Marquette wins this Big East outright, there will be a lot of talk for him for that award. Okay, next one I got for you. Probably not going to drag this on too long, but maybe once we get to around the hour mark of the podcast, I might wrap this up. But I still got a few more to throw at you. All right, Tyler Kolick, Big East Player of the Year. Um, five. Lock? I, I, I like it. No, it's a four. It's a four. Like, yeah. I, I didn't want to go back to the four well after I, I went there with the Big East Coach of the Year, but the the problem is I just said that Oso Iguodaro was the most important player <laughs> on the right. Marquette roster. So, like, but but Tyler Kolick is getting all the attention, right? Yes, like, he is. So that's where it's, like, logically I can say – like Tyler Kolick has a much better chance of being the Big East Player of the Year than Oso because we may look at the statistics and say, "Oh, Oso's more important," but Tyler Kolick is 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 not quite a media darling, but he is right. the absolutely the one getting the intention on this roster and deservedly so. He's yeah, he's an been great and player like, and has really improved. I'm gonna go four as well. I think there's a good chance, but I, I I'm definitely not going lock yet because I, Bryce Hopkins has kind of been. The front runner, most of the Big East, most of Big East play, and I guess it depends on how Providence finishes um, and, and what he has to do with it. He's been great. Uh, if if I and then uh, Boom has been great boom. for Xavier, and if he if he carries Xavier to a share of the title without Fremantle, that may actually boost his case. So I, I think the competition there is stiff, but. Kolick's got a really good shot. Again, it's going to depend these last five games. and it, it, Some of these words, fair or unfair, they're so team-dependent. Like, 
Right. Tyler, like Tyler Cole, could have an average game against Xavier, but if Marquette wins, it's like a notch in his belt, right? For first for Biggie's Player of the Year because his team won. Um, so in that regard, it can be unfair sometimes. So it, maybe it is a bit team dependent. But I think he's got a good shot. But I I, I can't go lock yet. Uh, well, I guess the other the other question is how much does like if if someone's in the conversation for Coach of the Year, does Player of the Year also show up? Right? Like it's almost like can you be, can you have a, in the NFL, can you have an MVP, uh, a player MVP and win coach of the year? Yeah. Is that like, you know, it, it feels like you can't have both. Right. If like MVP like usually goes to the best player on the best team, whereas coach of the year usually goes to the team that was good that we didn't expect to be good. Right. Right. So I, so I mean, maybe I'm talking myself even into a three, but like I'm going to stick with a four. Okay. So, I like anyway, it. We, I like we've it. got more to go to. Yeah, we do got one more on Tyler Kolick. Tyler Kolick, first team All American. Hmm. Um. Five. I, again, that Ooh. that feels more locky because it's not All American on other things. Yeah, I, I think he can. I think he's locked up in All American. I mean, first team. I though. mean, I suppose. I suppose if you're looking at it, that would also mean he's likely to be the the Naismith point guard of the year, right? Yeah, like, he was a, he's a finalist for the um, he's a finalist for the Bob Cousy Award, which goes to the yeah Cousy. That's what I meant, not Naismith. The, the Cousy Award. Because um, how many All Americans are there? Five. There's five, right? right. Yeah. Yeah, there's a first team, so, there's a first, second, and third team, and then there, I think they do a bunch of honorable mentions, but they're really there's a first, second, and third team. Uh, I'm gonna go. Th- I'm going three just because that that is tough, man. Uh, like, and they don't necessarily go uh, two guards, two forwards, and a center for the All American right. team. So, right. uh, you know, looking I'm just off the top of my head, I really haven't researched who's National Player of the Year favorites. I mean, our All American favorites. Obviously, Zach Eady is the National Player of the Year right. runaway. He's gonna win that. Uh, Jackson Davis at Indiana is probably gonna be on it. Uh, Jalen Wilson at Kansas has a very good chance to be on it. Um, probably brain farting here. There's probably somebody obvious I'm not thinking of, but it'll be tough. It's it's just so tough to be a first team all. I think he's got a great shot. If I were to expand this to, will Tyler Kolek be an All American of any type, first, second, or third team? I'm going five. I I think he's getting right. that. Um, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I I I think first team to be one of those five, I think is tough. So I'm going three, but um, he's got a great shot. All right, how about let's go back to Oso. Oso Iguodaro, first team All Big East. Um, four. I'm going to say a four, just because I don't think his like what he actually does. Like there are there are like old school stat heads that that probably look at his stat lines and go, ah, he's just another right, just another guy. Not right? enough points, not enough rebounds. Right. That, that's that, that's why I think even though he deserves it, if you've watched him play, if you've watched Marquette play, you know how valuable Oso is. But I don't think the stats always show how valuable he is. Um, Correct. Which and the, which is weird for me because like the, if the coaches are voting on this, all the coaches know how good he is, which makes me want to go four on this. But I'm still not sure if they're going to give him one of those five spots or does the Big East do that dumb thing where there's six spots there's a national player of the year and there's five I, I hate that like your your first team should be five guys and one of those is the national player of the year I think the Big East does it there are six guys one is the national player of the year and then there's a five-man first team I believe you are correct yes I, I think so, that's, so technically there's six available okay so I think that's kind of dumb but whatever we're digressing um 
I, I think I'm, I'm going to put it as a strong three. I, I think leaning towards four. Because, again, if the coaches are voting, the coaches know who Oso is and how good he is and how right, valuable he right. is. So I think it's good. And if Marquette wins the league and Oso has a big part of it, which, of course, he would have to, even more so. But it, I'm thinking off the top of my head, all right, so all Big East first team. Kalkbrenner's going to get there, even though he got a late start because he's just so valuable. Boom, of course. Hopkins, of course. Kolick, for sure. Getting tight after that. Um, right. So it, it's going to be – I think there's one spot he's got to fight for, and will he get it? So I'm going to go three – I'm going to go strong three, maybe like close to a four. We'll see how the next few games goes. All right, I got a couple more for you before we wrap up this silly little game here. Stevie Mitchell, Big East Defensive Player of the Year. Mm, one? One. Okay. Feels like a one. Yeah. I, I, I mean – I, I bring it up because I think he deserves Stevie's it. I, I'm, I'm right. bringing it up because I think he deserves it. I if there was an all Big East defensive team, if they named five guys, I got five for him on that. He's getting that, but they don't. They just do one defensive player of the year, and it's usually going to be a star player from one of the better teams. So I think it was Kalkbrenner last year. It might be Kalkbrenner again this year. So I don't think Stevie gets it. I, I'd go in two. I'm not going to say there's no chance. Don't even th- think about it. But uh, so I'm just going to go two. But I only bring it up because I think Stevie deserves it. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Stevie is the by far the best defender on this team um, at any position. So um, it would be I, I would love it. But yeah, I, I just don't see any chance because you know I, I just don't feel like he gets mentioned enough in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. He serves his role well, even though he's a starter. But the the defensive player of the year usually goes to a star player, um, and so yep. that's why he'll probably be like Kalkbrenner, I, w- I would guess. But all right, I'm going to get one more. Well, I got two more. So last one I'm going to throw at you from a player perspective: uh, Chase Ross, All Big East freshman team. Yes, uh, four because um, yeah, I mean he's the best freshman on a top. Uh, on, on top three Big East teams, so I, I feels like it feels like there's not enough really good freshmen on really good teams to yeah. to end up to make up five. Right? I, I agree with that. I'm going. It's like as well. Whitmore. Whitmore is going to be there. Yeah, obviously. just because he's like the best NBA prospect of all the freshmen. But he's been good. I mean, he's he's kept Villanova afloat. Villanova's not been good, but he's kept them afloat. Um, he'll be on there. He'll probably be the freshman of the year, I, I guess. But Chase Ross, I think if there's five spots for a all big east all freshman team. Chase is getting one of them, I think. He's been he's been good. He's been he's been a great role player, a 3 and D guy and he's been critical to Marquette's success what he brings. So, I went, I I threw that win there cuz I think he deserves some dap and uh I hope he gets that too. So. All right, last one, Phil, then we can wrap up this podcast. Marquette Big East Champions. Regular season? Regular season. The one that matters. Uh, four. Four. <laughs> yeah, we, nobody cares about the Big East tournament in, except for Seton Hall and the UConn yeah. because they can't win the Big East title any other way. <laughs> I'm going four as well. Um, I, just because I can't go a five because you're a fool if you right. call it a lock. You know, with with five, games to, five games to go, two against top contenders. You can't call it a lock yet. But, man, I'm feeling good about it. Uh, they got a great shot. I, I, I think if they can get through these next two games, still with at least a share of first place somehow, uh, 
I think they got three games to finish it off, and I think they'll do it. So um, I'm I, I'm with you. I think uh, I'm putting it as a four. Good chance, not a lock. Work to do, but how can you not be optimistic about it? Yeah, well, and I will say this: like, I'm glad we're having this conversation um, now because, like, if we beat Xavier and we were having the lock conversation um, next weekend, it would be, you know, I would be Monica Geller screaming seven uh, <laughs> <laughs> because, because I. I Again, and now, and I'm I'm presuming in this calculation that share of the title um, counts a, as winning. A it title. does. It does. I mean, if if you finish yeah. tied, you hang a banner. You're a champ. You, you you share the title. You're even even if say hypothetically, Xavier sweeps Marquette, but they finish with the same record, there would still be co-champs. Correct. And and at the end of the day, Marquette goes four and one. And it, and it does not matter which which is the loss. Marquette goes four and one down the stretch. They are guaranteed a share of the title. So that that feels like a four. Is that accurate? Because if they lose to Xavier and then Xavier wins the rest of their games, mm. or, or now it, you're making me think about it. Because Xavier's got they're tied in the loss column. Xavier would have to win out. In that scenario, yes, okay. Xavier would have to would have to win out. So I suppose you're right that if Marquette, so Marquette beats Xavier and goes three and one the yes. rest of the way, they're guaranteed a share. That sounds right, unless Creighton wins all of literally all of their games. No, no, yeah, yeah, no, right. because because if Marquette beats Creighton, oh, okay, Creighton can't can't get past us, right. Yeah, because well, Mar- Creighton and Marquette tied the loss column right now. They both got three losses, right? And so if Marquette beats Creighton, yes, Marquette beats then, Creighton. Yep, 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 yep. So take care of right. business. Hey, live live math on air. It's mm-hmm. great. Again, not a lock, but great shot and be optimistic about this team. And again, let's pack a Pfizer forum on Wednesday against Xavier. So. Good to be optimistic, Phil. It's fun to be positive on the podcast. Oh, I know. I, I I feel I feel like some people like have gotten a glimpse into what it is to like what it's like to be me. You're right. Yeah. Like just just constantly optimistic. Uh, disappointment happens, but like I don't feel it coming this season. Right, and even if it does, just we'll be able to let it roll off our back because we're going to stay positive, even if we do take a loss here or there. But. As always, we welcome your feedback. You can hit us up on Twitter. I am Joe McCann 3 Phil is M-O-O-O-F-23 at Crack Sidewalks is the team handle. You go to CrackSidewalks.com. We post the podcast there. You can leave comments on the .com. And, of course, you can rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Phil, any final thoughts before we put a bow on it? No, I want every seat filled at uh, the Fiserv at 6 p.m. on Wednesday. Please just go to the and- game. Everyone 21 plus, get yourself a 77 gold nail in your hand if they're available. I don't know if they're going to be restocked for that game or not. Uh, hopefully, there's enough in the arena to at least, you know, the positive vibes. Because I think I saw the uh, the blue and gold brewing pointed out. Hey, Marquette, as long as there has been a blue and gold or a 77 golden ale in the building, has won, and that includes the Marquette women over UConn. 
So, hey, it's uh, incontrovertible. As, uh, get at least one of them. Can we just get, like, yeah, yeah, just, somebody just, like, sneak one it, into the stadium? It, yeah, exactly. If they have not been restocked, just have one person bring one can into the building just to keep the good vibes going. So, we can make that happen. I'm sure somebody can make that happen. Until next time, everybody, seashells and balloons.